Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Johnny from Stainless Diesel, and he's been on the podcast before a little bit ago, and I wanted to catch up with them about his race team, a new platform that he has, things that are definitely changing with racing technology and data and what's that, what that's allowing him to do as far as going faster and then also translating that to products that he can make. So we're really going to jump into turbos for Cummins, Duramax, Power Stroke, the different year ranges, how they respond to different size turbos, what you should look for, you know, three things that uh, you should ask yourself, uh, you know, as far as your build, your truck, the way you want to use it to make sure you get the right turbo and also a few things you shouldn't do if you want to uh, make sure and avoid a mistake. So it's going to be really cool to chat with him about that. Uh, before we get to it, though, want to remind you guys, if you want 20% off knives, Kershaw Knives is a sponsor of the podcast. Use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com. They've got a ton of choices, no matter what your budget is, the use that you have, whether it's for EDC, hunting, fishing, outdoors, around the house, at work, they've got something for you. Make sure and take advantage of that. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Johnny from Stainless Diesel and learning more about turbos. Johnny, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I really enjoyed our episode. We did it years ago, um, but you were chatting with us about turbos, and I know so much has changed with not just you know your racing, but the, the diesel industry, the the parts, the the engineering, the R and D that's going into everything. So I wanted to do an episode, just catch up with you, you know, see what you and and Stainless Diesel have been up to. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, thanks for having us back on. I'm really excited to be on the show. Looks like you've been uh, really killing it with the Diesel Power podcast. We got uh, a lot of guys out there that uh, you're reaching, and it's uh, good messaging and good info for everyone. It's it can be really hard to keep up with it at times because there's you know there's three different platforms, different year breaks. There's so much going on that it's really cool to be able to have someone on like yourself um, who's been in the industry for years. Um, you're successful with your company, the products that you design, and I get to pick your brain and ask questions that I know our audience wants to hear. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to start with the racing side because I, I know you're passionate about it. That's what we talked about last time. I know there's been some changes. But what's what's new with your you know your race vehicle, your race team? What you know what what are some goals you guys are aiming for? Heck yeah. So, you know, last time we chatted um, and we had the four wheel drive and uh, we were pushing that platform uh, really, really hard in the in the outlaw diesel super series, you know, the, the diesel racing points uh, for the last number of years, we've had the um, the fastest diesel four by four in the world, you know, in that in that class at 45, 4400 pound class. And uh, we've set numerous records and um, three championships in a row with that four by four. So we're really proud of that as a team. Uh, we still have all the same team members generally, uh, the core team there um, together. You know, my son is uh, uh, not only works in the shop, uh, you know, building turbos and machining parts. Uh, he's on the team and has been there since the inception. Um, he he does a lot of the the, the, the tuning and calibration, so more so here lately. He's really good at navigating software and laptops, and uh, we collaborate a little bit on the tuning calls, but for the most part, the last two years, uh, he's made probably 90% of the tuning calls on the truck for the last couple championships. So super proud of him and, uh, you know, all the guys on the team. With, um, there was a post, I'm not sure exactly when you guys announced it, but I saw you were changing the platform and I wanted to ask you going from a truck to a car, what, what was the main reason to do that? And what are maybe some challenges that you have? and going to that versus you know you've been racing trucks for years and it's always been around but i know that that's a major thing kind of in the race scene that we see um you know with yourself and other racers is putting the engines into a different platform so that's a that's a neat thing that we've been wanting to do for at least two years or so and it's a long process to build this new car but essentially it's a it's a legit pro mod full tube chassis carbon fiber body uh pro mod big tire car. Um, so we're trying to be able to take the diesel and put it in that platform 
and race side by side in parity with, uh, say, like the street outlaw guys and, you know, legit pro mod classes in the around the world. So going from the four wheel drive uh, to that uh, two wheel drive car um, has been a long journey. Good process to do it. First time out at UCC this year in Indianapolis. Um, and it was quite a bit different driving it. That's for sure. Uh, me as a racer, pretty much racer all my life. Um, I've always looked up to, you know, the big tire pro mod class is probably the ultimate level that I would ever want to be at. So I'm there and we're definitely, uh, into a little bit of a learning curve, but we're super happy with what we've achieved so far. How close do you think in general diesel is to that parody or, or that competition with the gas world and, and those different classes? Um, I was going to say, like, you know, right now, I'd say we're very close to being near parity with a good portion of those guys. Um, so when you're looking at the weight of the vehicles, so we've got ours down to 2,750 pounds, 2,780 pound range. Um, to put that in perspective, some of the pro line blown Hemi alcohol engines that say uh, Fireball, some of those guys in the street outlaws would be 2,850 pounds. 2,900 pounds. Uh, so we're a little lighter than those guys. Um, horsepower wise, they are in that 3,500 to 4,000 range in horsepower. Um, with our truck platform, we pushed it to around 2,800 horsepower. Um, the Firepunk boys with this, with their aluminum engine have been able to be right in that 3,200 horsepower range. And I feel like with our Waggler competition, full billet engine, and the strength and the lightness of that platform will be able to be 3,000 to 3,500 horsepower uh, pretty consistently. Um, I think the differences are like your street outlaw guys with the aluminum rods, they'll be 25 to 30 passes and have to change rods and valve springs on the engine. I think um, uh, with uh, you know, Ben Shetty, he's got this Waggler competition billet engine. And of course, with the, with the DNJ engine and the Firepunk cars, um, they're racing all season. You're talking 80, 90 passes and take it apart, inspect it, reuse the same rods. So the platforms are, I think, going to be overall more resilient as soon as we get them lined out. You know, RPM differences, uh, we're, we're in that 6,000 range. I think we'll push it to 6,500 RPMs in that, in that range for a diesel. It's what you're saying something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's crazy to think how far, you know, it's, it's come from, you know, really early on when, um, you know, some people out there, they started to transition and to see where you guys are at now. And, and like this build that you have and the, the power levels, it's, uh, it's really cool to see the jump forward, which diesel has been growing really fast, you know, for a long time now with technology and power, you know, like the power numbers you saw at UCC and, just all the oh, things yeah. out there. It's exciting. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of technology, even in just the last three to five years, it's just amazing to see the, the, the growth in power, the growth in efficiency and, and different components, uh, taking the stress of what we're trying to throw at them. It's just, it's very impressive what we've seen the last few years for sure. One of the things that, uh, that I connect the dot with between racing at those, you know, really high power levels and just how extreme it is with, you know, the precision and the things you guys are doing in race vehicles is how that transitions to these trucks that are being daily driven and people are towing with and the things that you learn there. And so I wanted to ask you, as far as with stainless diesel and like turbo chargers, I always think when I think of turbo chargers, I think of stainless diesel and a bunch of different options you guys have. How is that, um, you know, what you learned at the track translated over to, you know, 550 horsepower, 500, 600 horsepower truck where somebody may call and say, Hey, my stock turbo went out. I need something. What should I pick? Um, what, what, what options do I have? Let's say it's a five, nine, you know, for example. No, for sure. So like, um, and we've got a variety of options with our stock appearing bolt on uh, turbos. And what's really neat about that platform is, you know, you don't, you can use your stock, um, intercooler pipe connection, your stock air box, your stock exhaust connection. It's literally a OEM bolt on, but when it comes to turbo wheels, uh, the exhaust wheel and compressor wheel, the rotor group is lighter in our turbochargers. Um, and we're known for our five blade mafia compressor wheel design, which is essentially uh, a five main blades and five splitters. So it's 10 blades total, but the main blades are, are taller, of course. And, um, 
turbine wheels uh, in the stock appearing stuff, you know, they're, some of them have 12 blades. We've tended to go to a 10 blade turbine for lower exhaust uh, pressure you know, to dry pressure. And the whole entire rotor group is lighter. So in our racing, we figured out when you're lighter, in some cases you, you can get faster response, say with the chassis or faster spool up on the, on the, on the track from the bottom of the RPM range to the top. So we took that um, information and then making the compressor uh, efficient as far as making it flow really well and respond really fast. And that's kind of like um, what we shoot for. So the stock appearing stuff, we've got an HX35 for the you know, bolt on a 12 valve and we've got a 6060 as our small unit and uh, which is probably close to an equivalent of, a, of the old school HX40 back in the day. Although ours makes much more power and cooler EGTs. And then we jump up to a couple little hybrid sizes. So depending on your fueling level and whatnot, but the 6060 is kind of like your stock bolt-on replacement. So if you're stock injector, stock fuel, that's a great place to start. And then we've got some larger versions that are hybrid. So for your heavy tow guys, um, sometimes with 411 gears and tire size plays a huge role. You know, where your RPMs are going to be pulling the trailer. Um, so we've got some bigger turbine wheels like our 64 turbine, 67 turbine, and some larger compressor wheels for your guys that might um, brush pull, for instance, like a, a 63 compressor on that unit and a 67. Uh, 67 for like your brush pulling guys, if you had a 12 valve or even a BP truck, uh, essentially stock bolt on. And then um, the 5.9, you mentioned uh, that that platform as it extends to the common rails. Um, we've got stock HE351 style turbos in that same sizing, essentially. So the rotor groups are different sizes for different power levels. And uh, depends on what you want to do, but we've got quite a few options for those. That can be one of the toughest things when I get a question and a listener says, what's the best turbo for my 0559 or my 99? There's so many different mm -hmm. parts that go into it. So oh, yeah. if, if somebody calls you guys and how do you walk them through, how do you get the information that you guys yeah. need to be able to suggest the right turbo form? Sure. No, that's a great question, man. That's, and that's probably the majority of the phone calls, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, I seen your stuff and my buddy's got one of these size turbos and I want to know, you know what you would recommend for my platform. And I think the biggest difference is it, it comes down to not only, you know, injector sizes, and where they'd like to be for, you know, from stock to a little more than stock, if you know, depending on what they're doing. Um, but essentially the uh, tire size and gear ratio is like some of my first go-to questions. Like, hey, you know, do you have uh, say 342 gears and a 35 inch tall tire? Cause that's gonna put your RPM range down really fairly low in overdrive putting around at 50 miles an hour, 60, you know. So um, a really big single in that aspect will be, somewhat lazy uh, you, when the torque converter is locked up and you're, you're cruising around or trying to pull a trailer. So like my preferred, you know, we change sizes based on and exhaust housing sizes as well. And uh, based on what they're doing for gear ratios. So if they had like a, like a 33 inch tall tire and a 373 gear, that's a pretty good combo um, or a 411 rear gear and a 35. That's a great heavy toe, uh, fast responding, kind of combination to pull a 30 foot gooseneck trailer with a, with a dump truck on the back of it, you know, something crazy. It's really interesting because a lot of the discussions over the years, when I would think of turbos or I'm looking into them, it's always the power level. Like, is it, you know, do I want 600, mm -hmm. 700. Sure. I never really thought about tire size and gear ratio, but it's, it's something that the truck owner is going to experience every day that they drive it. And yeah. there's a lot of those times that you, know, you read something from someone and, they're not happy oh, yeah. with this turbo. It's too laggy or, yeah. you know, there's not enough airflow. The EGTs get high because sure. they have huge injectors in it. So I, I can see where uh, really picking the right charger comes down to educating the customer really and finding oh, out about their server. Sure. Yeah. And then the, another thing too, that's kind of interesting is uh, drivability is so subjective between people. So what one platform a gentleman thinks spools just just perfect for him the next guy will be like oh man that's a, it's a little lazy for me you know what can we do better it, it, and what it comes down to um 
and I hate to see guys have to spend money twice. Like, you know, they bought a turbo because their buddy had one, but when they call us and say, Hey, you know, I don't have your turbo, but I want to get one. And I bought one like my buddy, but it doesn't act the same as his does. And then it really comes down to that, you know, the tire size gear ratio, um, torque converter stall speed's huge as far as how that converter grabs it and where it's going to grab it on the fluid coupling side, obviously before lockup. And that's a huge difference for drivability. So it's the whole package. And then we, that's kind of the questions we get in depth with customers on. Um, and the power is always there, you know, Hey, you know, what's your power goal? You know, do you tow a trailer? And what do you have for these items? How do you like, like, like the truck to drive, you know? So let's say I had a, uh, I'll just pick, um, like an 03 to 0759, um, you know, power levels five to five fifty. It's something I daily drive to with. I, I had to buy a built transmission because the stock one wasn't going to live there. So I have a relatively close to stock stall speed. Um, maybe mild, maybe a mild injector upgrade. I guess they could be stock. What kind of sizes would you direct me to look at? And I'll say sea level or close to sea level, um, sure. yeah. as well. What should I look at? So if you're talking common rail um, versus VP, or we're talking common rail, that's a difference there too. <laughs> Actually, let's do both because I know a lot of second gen sure. guys listen, a lot of third oh, gen yeah. guys. <laughs> oh yeah. So it, and that's that's so the 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 difference between the VP guys is that we like to over air them a little bit to make the same power as our common rail truck would make um, on the same size turbo, for instance. Okay. And it's just because. Um, and the cool thing about the VP is it still has some dynamic timing. So you're, you're changing the timing throughout the timing curve. Um, it has some pretty high pressure injection. The VP is injected like 25,000 PSI, which a lot of guys, you know, it's kind of like common rail pressures, believe it or not, but they're limited in RPM capability um, comparatively. So like your common rail guys, um, you can make that 500 to 550 on our little 6060, but it's going to be pushing it very like at the higher level of its capability. Um, I would probably recommend a guy like I would say, Hey, you know, are you pretty happy with this level of power? Or like, if you ever needed an injector down the road, would you go to a bigger size? So that's kind of where I'd start there. Let's say they were just, yep, I'm good here. And I'm just going to tow. And this is my level on the common rail. I would probably recommend our 6364. Um, it's got a little bit more compressor to keep EGTs cool when you're towing, it's got a little more power capability. So you're not going to over overwork that unit. I like to try to put a guy into a turbo closer to that 80%, 85% of its capability, instead of say hundred percent of its capability, give them a little leeway. It keeps the turbo better for longevity. It keeps the EGTs cooler for your daily tow guys. And you're not pushing it to the ragged edge, like your sled pole guys every day, all the time. So you've got to find that happy medium. And then it, as far as the VP guys, um, to be in that that 550 range, um, you know, your 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 average guy with an edge comp box of some sort and a and a good probably like a seven by, I must say a seven by twelve injector, seven by ten even probably a little smaller, in that range or a six by twelve, um, I would still probably be in that 63 millimeter range, but I would probably do a 67 turbo on it, um, on that platform. So just to kind of give it a little bit more exhaust flow. I like that idea of having a little bit more than where I'm at in case, you know, injectors can fail or you can get bad fuel or something like that. And then we're always saying, well, should I, you know, throw a set of 50 horse injectors in or nineties or something like that. And so I think that's important. You know, if I had yeah. a that year range truck and I'm buying sure. a turbo, just be able to grow with it a little bit if I wanted yeah. to. Yep. And then like that, uh, that, that platform, that's that rotor group size is the same compressor wheel. Um, it's really a 63 and a half millimeter, but we just, it's easier to say 63 essentially. Um, but that 63, 67, that moves you up into another level. Um, guys can make that seven horsepower range, 730 out of that relatively, you know, with some, some larger injectors and it'll handle that uh, pretty well, even into our VGT line. So if you're doing a VGT with that same 6367, um, works really good at that 500 to probably 730 range. Anything, anything in that 550 and down, say that same 500 to 550, even in that platform for the six seven guys, we would do the 6060 uh, for good response, and it handles that lower power level very well 
with an engine brake function. And uh, then we kind of jumped to that bigger unit for uh, a larger injector platform. I don't want to forget about the Duramax and Power Stroke guys. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. What, um, what kind of lineup do you have? And I know there's tons, you know, seven, three, six, oh, six, oh, four, yeah. six, seven. Yep. <laughs> so we touch, we basically definitely touch on all of the Ford platforms, um, the OBS, you know, style and the super, you know, the power stroke, you know, super duty stuff for the seven threes. So there's a, there's a neat platform there that we do. Um, and then we've got a couple of variations, you know, that's 63, 67s for those guys. And when you get into the six O's, we've got uh, quite a bit of sizes, uh, variations for those guys. Um, from a 61 millimeter uh, variable on the 6.0 platform all the way up to, I believe, a 60, 68.71 is our large Mac Daddy for that one. So, and then uh, it's all, you know, variant on what the guys are looking to do, of course, for recommendations on those. So they've got an extremely, um, uh, you know, that five blade stainless diesel uh, turbo whistle. And uh, the six liter guys, uh, we do a 10 blade turbine in those as well. And uh, this very impressed with the sound and the performance that we're getting out of those. We've had a number of customers um, that uh, really specialize in the Ford platform and like the Warren diesel guys and some other guys have had them on and uh, they kind of tell us the 6367 reminds them of more like a big S 300 on how it hits them as far as power and, and performance. So I was surprised, but our rotor group's quite a bit lighter than uh, some of the other ones out there. So it responds very quick. When it comes to the install, and I know it's going to vary based on OBS 7360. Sure. How, yeah. how much, if anything, needs to change when going to one of these turbo upgrades? Or is it kind of like the Cummins setup where it's just going right on? Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, it's just plug and play on the year specific. You know, so it's uh, your OEM bolt-on, um, really, you know, normal gasket installs, your normal oil lines and the drain configuration in the pedestal base, uh, you know, on the, on the Ford platform for sure, pretty much the same. Um, I think there is, uh, some guys will convert like the, the OBS to the Super Duty kind of up pipes and mounting orientation sometimes. Um, so we've seen guys, you know, kind of do that and maybe... Uh, Picked the wrong charger because they took the the newer um, power stroke, you know, up pipes and mounting orientation off a newer kind of seven three and put it on the OBS. So we've seen a little bit of that. But as long as you know what your platform is, it's pretty much plug and play. We've seen a huge surge over the years in the OBS. The guys making power with them and, and, and upgrading oh, yeah. them, and it's it's been really cool to see. I've had a few of the guys mm -hmm. on the podcast where they're. Know, they're really pushing that so to know that there's turbo options for them and then also someone who just may need to you know the stock one failed there you know they got some plans to do oh, some upgrades. Sure. when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if you get in the, you know, the higher horsepower stuff, I mean, the stock pairing does really well up to a point and that, that, that fits most of your guys that you know don't want to really get crazy with taking the engine out and putting rods in the motor you know, and then obviously, you know, when you're getting into that five to 700 range power, you're definitely going to be into the transmission, you know, making things happy there. But once you get much over seven to 800 range, um, that's when, you know, engine really overringing heads and studding things and really getting into that uh, rods and whatnot. We've got our, our S 400 base chargers and compound systems for all those guys. Um, you really can have your your cake and eat it too. I tell people um, with a compound setup, you know. So you get that bottom end, the the super lugging down low RPM response, and a tremendous amount of high RPM power with compounds when sized correctly. I'm uh, glad you brought that up because yeah. I've been I've been asked about compounds for power strokes. What years do you yeah. you guys have these for? So we don't do the piping side for the for those guys, but we can size the turbos accordingly. 
um, with all of our experience, you know, like uh, I initially started doing, designed the five blade uh, turbo for compound turbo systems. That was my whole um, drive back then, probably 10 plus years ago uh, at this point um, to design a compressor wheel that works beautifully in the right pressure ratios for compounds. And really there's nothing out there specifically designed for that other than we're taking, you know, some really good turbo platforms and making them work right there. Um, so sizing specific, we've got uh, tons of data on that stuff um, for different horsepower and drivability. Uh, as far as the power stroke stuff, um, we don't make a kit, but there are some guys that definitely do make the piping. And uh, I mean, there's, you could be as high as, you know, like a six, seven uh, Ford, for instance, if you did like an added turbo kit and just use the factory VGT, um, put a nice S 400 based unit out front. Um, it, typically when looking at piping orientation, the exhaust pipe on one of those would be pretty long between the turbos. So I would tighten up the exhaust housing. Um, some guys tend to go T4 on that platform where we're on the Cummins, if you did, or say Duramax, uh, when they put the turbo way out, keep the hot pipe, you know, running back to the pedestal base, you got about a three foot long hot pipe with some bends in it, um, in between stages. So I'd go to a T6 115 on a 475 or 480 platform on your basic, you know, add a turbo kit, uh, sizing wise. So that would be something that we would usually do. Depending on power, I mean, you're looking at seven, eight hundred with really cool EGTs and great towability at, at altitude or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things as well, especially for the guys that are traveling all over the place and you might cross the Rockies or be, you know, oh yeah, yeah, out west or you know, really anywhere there's elevation is having that turbo setup that works anywhere that you're at and that ultimate kind of EGT control. Now for the Duramax guys, what? What do you guys offer for them, whether it's, you know, like a single or, you know, even compounds and, and different sure. setups? So we've done a number of different compounds over the years on those guys, uh, utilizing, you know, you know like a, a BGT um, as far as like that, uh, or, or say, you know, S300, S400, uh, even to that extent. And then uh, in the racing platform, um, we've done some S400 pedestal chargers with GT55s as a big unit, you know, out front. But uh, the Duramaxes, they can make um, they can make a lot of power. Uh, they are air hungry motors, so they really they thrive on having a a little bit larger turbo as well um, to make the same power sometimes. So, um, like our 85, for instance, that's one of our bigger S400 platforms. Um, say with a, a 67 millimeter VGT 65 or 67 uh, VGT in the Valley, you could, you could be well over a thousand horsepower into that 1350 range, relatively easy, um, real quick, which yeah. can put you, you know, you better have rods in the motor at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually a lot of the, uh, a lot of the questions that I'll, I'll get or see is it's either it's kind of either or it's I need a little bit more to handle a tune I'm towing and EGT sure. control or I'm pulling the motor out it's getting built it's getting yellow yep. rods I'm doing pistons yeah, and yeah. I need this this bigger turbo That's setup fine. I think that that I guess that was an LMM platform uh, LOI LLM or LMM rather uh, that platform spans a number of years and I think that the, the hot seller in that range for your average guy that doesn't want to put rods in it, you know, you want to limit that power range to probably, you know, anywhere from 500 to probably 700 range. Um, but like our 63 millimeter PGT unit, um, it does really well. I think that's most of the guys are going with that when they're going for a stock upgrade and it'll handle some more injector, of course. And then it's on the edge of, it'll work really well with a stock injector or you could grab a larger injector and it'll still handle that span if they wanted to upgrade later. And then uh, we do have our larger 65 unit, which is just a step up, you know, say hundred percent over injector guy uh, that might want to start playing at their local sled pole, for instance. I just thought of a question to ask you that's going to apply to Cummins, Duramax and Power Stroke. There's going to be two parts to it, but the first one is for someone who is in the market for a turbo, they're thinking about it. What are three things that they need to ask themselves before they purchase one, whether it's, you know, what's my power level? you know, am I going to upgrade in the future, but what are three things that you would tell somebody to think about so that they make the right decision from the get-go? So 
and I guess what it comes down to is like, my first thing is, what are you going to do with the truck? Like, is this my, is this my daily driver work truck or is this my, my weekend warrior? You know, so that would be one question, I guess, or, or say a two part question. Uh, the second would be, you know, what are you going to build the platform for power range wise? And that means like, you know, transmission upgrades, injector, things of that nature. And then, um, on the third level, it's like, uh, when you're looking at, um, expectations, you know, drivability, are you wanting to tow a trailer with this thing? So you got to be realistic with all of your goals and all of the, the three main questions. I think that's where I would be at with them. I think it's important to, to do that. The things that you mentioned so that, uh, you can, I guess when it comes to turbos, there is really no one turbo that does everything. You're not going to have the quick spool at, you know, right off the line and make 1300 horsepower or your EGTs are going to get hot in a different (laughs) RPM range. So you really got to think about it. And that's, and that's a great way to put it. Um, so if you, if you think of, I guess the best way that I can, um, describe this to get, uh, it's kind of like that little thing I say with the cake and eat it too. You know, like if you, if you get to a smaller turbo, you know, you got that great, um, low end response, but then it might not make your high end power you're looking for, or say, when you're pushing it to hundred percent of its capability, then you have really high uh, exhaust gas temperatures, which is you know, getting out of the efficiency range, range of it. So, um, and then if you get a big turbo, like our, like a really popular S 400 unit, uh, which we've had on Ford's uh, like your Ford seven threes, even and uh, a four sixty eight five blade um, with an 83 turbine T four one Oh housing, those things on a, on a Cummins five uh, nine platform, or six, seven, you know, you're in that 700 to probably 850 range at the tire. So a really good, um, mid frame, aggressive kind of turbo. If, and at that point, you know, many different platforms, you're on the edge of needing rods. So that's like your higher end. Um, the, the five, nine guys can definitely get away with a little more power, um, without needing rods compared to our six, seven guys. But, um, the same thing I think goes with the Ford, like that turbo on the Ford seven threes, um, we've been every bit of 650 and guys beat them up pretty good. So it's a, it's a great little way to do it. So anything, uh, if you take that a step further and go to like our, like our 7287, um, it's not going to be as tow friendly on a five, nine, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, with a 68, you can still tow, you know, eight, 10,000 pound trailer, but you're going to have to, you know, maybe knock it out of overdrive, get some RPMs up, you know, on a 468. Um, and then your 472.87, it's a big trade-off. Like you can make 1,950 to 1,050 range, depending on the platform. Five nines will make a little more power on that one. Uh, low at 1,000, you know, range to 1,040, 50 range, where you take that same turbo, put it on a 6.7 Cummins, essentially, and you're just under 1,005 because of dry pressure, essentially the six, seven, you can get it in, but you still have to get it out efficiently. Um, so that's a great little thousand horsepower kind of limit turbo, but you're not going to get it to low RPM lug like you would, you know, the smaller ones. So that's where that compound question comes in. You know, yeah. at that point, there's some, there's some price differential, but boy, there's a day and night difference in drivability. I've noticed that, but so, you know, with myself and, turbos that I've chosen before, like you had said that drivability is subjective. So while I didn't mind a larger single, someone else would drive it and be like, this thing sucks. How do you drive this yep. thing? And then I'd go for a ride in his compound truck. And I'm like, wow, you have power everywhere. This is cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's one of the things too. Like I've had guys go from that big single stuff and they're, you know, like the big single kind of life is like, you know, it's kind of lazy. And then all of a sudden it just hits you, yeah. you know, it jams you, jams you back in the seat where the power for um, the compounds will come on more linear. So they never really hit you. It's just straight torque curve all the way through. So yeah. just a different drivability. Uh, another question we get to is like, uh, like the big singles exhaust note will be a little more aggressive. Um, when you put a compound system on, there'll be uh, a little more toned down on the exhaust note because uh, you're going through two turbos instead of one. So. I'm sure there's a lot of people that call, I guess this would kind of be like a common question, but it's the opposite of the three things you should do when you get a turbo is what are the three things you shouldn't do? Or the three common things when people call up and they say, Hey, I bought this truck. It's got the setup on it. I hate it. 
I, you know, I got to change it, but really looking to help somebody avoid a mistake as they're upgrading their truck or, you know, looking for a turbo. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things where, you know, kind of like we talked about, you know, what one person thinks is really good drivability, a next person may not think it is. So it's all, it's really personalized to what a person wants or say is used to. And so the stock trucks, they respond you know, fairly well. And uh, they just kind of choked off in that mid range and top end. Um, but I mean, for the most part, if a guy calls and uh, says, you know, Hey Johnny, I bought this truck and it's this, this thing's pretty lazy. Um, and it's got compounds on it. It's real good up top. But I can't lug the thing down and we'll go over specifics. And, it, and that's another thing that's pretty interesting. Um, we did a YouTube video uh, years ago explaining exhaust housing, exhaust flange sizes explained basically. So there's some terminology, you know, like your, your HX40 exhaust flange or 351 exhaust flange. A lot of guys don't know what they look like or how to measure it with a tape measure, you know? Um, so that's the thing where when the guy calls me, they're not really sure what they have. So I'll send them to, you know, check out some, some videos on YouTube from your various uh, favorite YouTubers. And a lot of them have great information on there uh, about that. So we, we did some basic stuff on there, but uh, there's a lot of information to learn what you have out there. Um, but we'll basically figure out and assess what they have. And then we can make changes based on all the data we've learned throughout the years. And you know, whether it's our personal tow trucks, we've are indeed, you know, for many, many years or on, on the racetrack. Um, some, some of the data that we get from racing is just tremendously helpful to what we see um, in the real world. It's just the data we have on the, on the new car, uh, the new pro mod here that we're doing is just leaps and bounds even more so above our pro street truck because we just went more in depth on things that we wanted to see more of and, and it's like turbo um, turbo discharge temperatures like coming out of the compressor housing before the intercooler you know um, it's just uh, turbo size affects that as well as pressure ratio tremendously and then um, in a compound system uh, manifold charger sizing affects discharge temperature to the intercooler tremendously as well. Very interesting. Do you think that that has been one of the major components to not only push the racing side, but then also for these daily driving towing trucks is the amount of data that you can get now and how you oh, yeah. can measure things that 10 or 15 years ago you couldn't. Oh yeah. I mean, we've got, we got so much data now, like especially I mean, I guess even the last three to five years, um, it's, it's amazing. Like, and I guess we've done a lot of testing without data where we can see, okay, we changed this combination around and it makes more power, but you didn't necessarily know hundred percent why, and why, okay. We had more CFM, more flow through less pressure. So we can get, you want to make more flow through at less pressure to be more efficient. And that's on the racing side. So once upon a time, we had a triple turbo set up seven years ago on a pro street truck that made 165 pounds of boost. So uh, we went through a couple of little different iterations on a triple turbo uh, sizing. And we got that thing down to like 125 pounds of boost. And the difference in compressor discharge temperature went from around 750 degrees, which is really, really hot down to in the low to mid 400 so 400 430 um, so we had cooler temperatures coming out into the intercooler and a lot less pressure and uh, made a ton more power um, it's just interesting to see that dynamic like in a in, in that data correlates over to like a, a s300 s400 twin turbo kit or like our knuckle sandwich for instance we did a bunch of data testing on that um, which is a 400 manifold charger and a 400 uh, atmosphere charger. So T4 foot on the manifold and a T6 on the atmosphere. But the larger you can go on the compressor on the manifold charger, um, generally the cooler the discharge temperature you'll have going into the intercooler. So it's, it's very interesting. Do you guys, and I just thought of this question, but if do you guys test like stocks setups like a stock turbo and see what its data is showing and see weak points sure. in it like i think of almost like it's probably the wrong phrase but reverse engineering it like way back in the day um yeah. you know somebody put a charger on a truck it blow a head gasket 
I had no idea what dry pressures were, what was going on. Right. So you knew, hey, yeah. well, I shouldn't run this size turbo. I should go with this sure. one. But now that I think the guesswork is out of it where you can probably see that data and know why it's doing that. Yeah. And then that's one of the things too, like uh, we got shaft speed data, like not all of our turbochargers will send out. Not everybody wants to pay for, you know, the shaft speed sensors and the data acquisition. I, I mean, typically um, we do a lot of that stuff with in-house testing. So we know that on our 400 S400 turbo platform, we can get away with that um, 135,000 RPMs um, on that bearing system. You know, the Borg Warner based bearing system essentially. And then we have some of our own in house bearing stuff that we modify. And we've actually been able to push a little further than that. Um, but that's kind of a safe range that we like to see that bearing system in. And then at 115,000 RPMs on a 400 uh, to 120,000, that's when a dash four oil feed line volume starts to not keep up with keeping the bearings from touching the shaft. Or touching the housing so we'd like to go to a larger volume like our dash six oil feed line and we've got our fittings orifice down to probably that 195 to 200 thousandths on the on the inside diameter where eighth inch lines 120 thousandths roughly so we're getting that more volume into that 400 platform to help keep the bearings alive when you're pushing it uh, that really to the ragged edge so um, we've got data where we pushed them to 150 thousand 144,000 and they'll fail um, in certain ways. And that would be like our testing on, on track, you know, drag racing with nitrous um, and no waste gates. That's, that's a, that's kind of a bad deal. Um, you need to have some shaft speed control. <laughs> so nitrous can be your friend and it can be not your friend at the same time. So, yeah. I just, I just thought of another question. This one, somebody asked me three or four months ago, this and i think it'd be great to ask you they said why don't i just build my own turbocharger why don't i just get all the parts and i can build it myself and i don't know the answer i'm sure you do what goes into building a turbo there at stainless diesel that you guys are you know are using to test to check to balance to put this together that i couldn't do if i had all the parts sitting in front of me right now i i just wouldn't know what to do or how to do it oh for sure I mean, there's a lot of videos. I mean, the, the, you can people can get on the internet and kind of see them all disassembled. And there's some basic uh, snap ring pliers and some things like that that you need to put it together. But orientation of the of the piston ring seals on the on the seal plate as well as the turbine we uh, we like to put the gaps at the top to the, on the oil feed side typically. So that's a good place to, uh, you know, to that we like to set it up that way. As far as balancing, we've got in-house CNC equipment. We've got in-house balancing gear. We have two different balancers, really. Uh, one set up for like our VGT smaller rotor groups, and we set another one up for our larger like S400 based off uh, platforms for just some different settings on the balancer machine to switch them around. But um, we've got uh, a lathe that we do our turbo cover machining on. So for modifying a covered profile, for instance, we've got a, we can hold our own tolerance uh, compared to Borg Warner's tolerance, we have a tolerance that we might want to run on a specific platform based on all the data we've accumulated over the years. So um, same thing, we've got some CNC mills, you know, we, we basically uh, machine our stainless diesel manifolds here in-house as well. Uh, they get cast in Michigan, in Muskegon, Michigan, uh, and we bring them down here and machine them here at the shop. So um, as far as the assembly process, um, there's a couple... You know, it's left-hand thread on a lot of these things. Um, the torque specs are different from, say, the stock appearing turbos to the larger shaft uh, units for sure. And then, um, like, if you got one apart, uh, I would recommend if it ran in a certain timed position with the compressor wheel and turbine, maybe mark it, you know, mark that thing and put it back. But with us, you know, we're going to balance the thing down to um, what we call a, it's a half an inch gram or less from the center of mass. So your balance is gonna be off the one side on a compressor and uh, you're trying to bring it back into the center of mass. So it's balancing on the center point uh, in the center of the wheel when it's rotating. So that's one thing where you can take a turbo apart, you can turn the compressor wheel to a completely different orientation and knock the balance out of it. Pretty easy. Um, the OEM the OEM kind of turbos will rebuild uh, some board Warner stuff and we sell new ones as well. And then we can upgrade them with our different pieces parts, but um, 
some of the OEM turbos have got a paint mark on them. It's uh, some big, big yellow paint all over the compressor wheel. Uh, if we timing mark that stuff um, and pull it apart, put it on an assembly balance, basically most of the manufacturers will component balance, which put a compressor wheel in an arbor and do a right and left plane balance. Same with the turbine wheel. Um, so we're doing that, but we're also doing an assembly balance uh, before it goes out. So that makes it a little bit more accurate for sure. Um, some of the box units will come in at seven to nine grams out on the compressor side. Turbine wheels are usually pretty good. Um, there'll be a half inch grammar pretty close to it. Uh, but you can basically take that wheel, turn it 90 degrees from where it was, put it back on the balancer and the balance will change drastically. And what um, happens to a turbo when it is out of balance? Is it the wheels so, contacting the housing and total destruction? So not so there's a tolerance. I mean, we've seen, you know, that you can play with, but um, a lot of these turbos, when they were coming straight out of the box, they weren't designed to turn, you know, that 140,000 RPMs. They were probably meant to see 75 to 80,000 RPMs their entire life. So the faster you turn these things, I think the imbalance percentage affects the bearings greater. Um, everything's hydrodynamically kind of held together in the center as oil pressures in the shaft uh, surrounding everything. It's kind of like a shock absorber holding it in place essentially. But when you lift on the turbo at the end of a, a hard run down the road or down the drag strip, you'll hear that turbo bark. So when it does that, it comes off axis a little bit. Um, but when it's out of balance, it'll tend to be, it's called shaft motion, basically. So when you're watching this thing spin at speed, and if you had a little bitty laser pointed to the end of the shaft measuring movement um, radially under operation, the more it's out of balance, the more movement it has at shaft speed. So that means that the oil film has to work quite a bit harder to keep it from just ripping off, off axis and touching that bearing. And if it's more in balance, it has less shaft motion overall during operation and the longevity is quite a bit better. I'd rather just buy the turbo and install it and know all that's done than try to do it myself. Cause yep. I, I guarantee <laughs> if I did it, it wouldn't work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, in general, can you take a turbo apart and put bearings in it, put it back together? Sure. Um, and we've seen guys do that and the turbo fails shortly thereafter. Um, but the timing marks, that's, that's kind of a big deal. If it ran in certain orientation, you know, put it back that way, <laughs> knowing that it ran there. But uh, when, when bearings get wiped out, um, a lot of times they'll deposit material into the, the, the bearing housing itself. And uh, if you put a new bearing over top of the bearing material, um, it's a tighter tolerance in there now. So a lot of times it'll fail. Sometimes you might need a new bearing housing or you need to polish the bores and hone those out to a specific tolerance very tight tolerances um, weight like the tolerance in your motor uh, uh, the tightest tolerance on a diesel engine is the turbo barracks let's just put it that way that you need to look for so less than the thickness of a human hair yeah it's it's really really precise stuff i, I know there's going to be listeners that they're going to have a question about their vp their 12 valve their common rail their duramax oh, power yeah. stroke and i didn't think to ask you the question or i didn't even know to ask you the question <laughs> but what's the yeah. best way for somebody to you know ask you guys um call in email you know send a message sure. on, on social media to get those answers from you oh heck yeah yeah just uh the best way to probably send a, send a good message to us is sales at stainlessdiesel.com uh of course they can always call into the shop number um, one thing that I, I tell guys on occasion, like, Hey, Hey, Johnny had a hard time getting a hold of you. Sorry. I missed you. Um, I can answer probably 50 emails in an hour, but I can't get 50 phone calls in an hour. So email is probably the preferred way uh, to get a, a, a good answer. But, uh, you know, if you need that personal touch and an in-depth conversation, you know, we're there for that as well. Um, you might have to get us a few times or shoot us an email. What's best time to call you guys back and, uh, answer those kind of questions. Um, social media, you know, as well, we do some, uh, we can send us a, a question on there, but uh, email is probably the best. Well, it was really cool to chat with you and go through a ton of different topics with, you know, from racing to yeah. turbo singles, compounds. And I know it's an incredibly complex 
topic. So I'm going to pay attention to, you know, the questions we get after this that somebody might ask. I might hit you up for more in the future with, oh, you know, yeah, with, that's great. That's with, great. Some, with some audience yeah, questions. We, we got a lot of history in the old VP platform. Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions I get about that here and there, uh, how to make power on a VP. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a whole other ball of wax. Oh yeah. Well, there's a resurgence in those older trucks too, not just the Ford OBS, yes, but the VP trucks and, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, the technology, you know, and the things you guys are doing, um, Heck yeah. it, you know, it's, it's still progressing. Oh yeah. Well, we've got, we've definitely got a couple new uh, tricks up our sleeve. Um, they're not ready for prime time, but we're definitely working on some new things for the VP platform. Let's just say, <laughs> so that's coming down the road. And, uh, we do have a new, um, a newer for us, um, uh, I guess Duramax platform for the latest and greatest Duramax stuff. We're in testing on some of that, not ready for prime time, but we're, we're very close on those. So yeah, down the road, we've got some, some, some neat things coming out. So I mean, I'm really excited for it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today, Johnny. It was great to chat with you. I look forward to uh, getting some audience questions to you and seeing what you guys do with the car and, and these new product releases. Heck yeah. We'll be at uh, Shad diesel race here at the end of the month with the car and, uh, Anybody uh, shows up at that race, you want to swing by the pits, I'd be happy to shake your hand. And uh, if you got some questions, I can hit you up and uh, try to give you some pointers. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and take advantage of 20% off at kershaw.kiausa.com. They've got a ton of choices, accommodate any budget. And I, I know it's been wildly popular with you guys. I've, I've been hearing about products that you've gotten, and it's so cool. And they have things for everything, whether it's EDC, fishing, hunting, the outdoors, at the shop, at home. They've got a ton of choices, so make sure and take advantage of that. I also want to give a shout-out to some of our Patreon supporters. The support that they give us allows us to upgrade the podcast, whether it's audio, video, other things that we're doing. So we appreciate the support of Texas Diesel Supply, Wright's Diesel Services, Caleb, Tyler Lowe and a 23 Diesel. All of our Patreons, all you guys out there that subscribe on Apple and Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, our Facebook and Instagram, our Discord, where there's a lot of great conversations that we have with you guys. It's awesome to see that support. It keeps us going. We're going to four episodes per week just to be able to cover all the content you guys have requested. So we're really excited about what's coming up and appreciate the support you've given us all the way back to 2016. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.